0: Welcome back to the Meadowsweet Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mimi Serbasova. On today's episode, we're getting serious about protecting yourself from scams, fraud, and theft. Because financial safety is a major component of financial well-being. Before we dive into the episode, I want to take this moment to remind you that, starting in 2024, I am launching a Patreon. And you can get on the waitlist now to be the first to know when my Patreon is live. As a patron, you are directly supporting the Meadowsweet Money podcast and will get access to exclusive content, patron-only discounts and events, as well as benefits of my private Discord server community. If you are ready for a shame-free money mentor that can walk alongside you on your financial journey, I am excited to be yours sign up for the waitlist, check out the link in the show notes, or head to patreon.com slash money and enter your email. With all of that said, let's dive into today's episode. While it may not feel super sexy to talk about financial fraud and scams, As a financial educator, this topic is one that kind of keeps me up at night. And I want to preface this all by saying that if you have ever been a victim of a financial fraud or scam, it is so not your fault. The individuals and organized groups that are committing these scams are savvy. These folks spend far more time thinking about how to trick you than you probably spend time thinking about how to protect yourself. So I want to help you have a leg up. In this episode, I'm going to share about some common scams out there right now, how we can make some small changes to protect ourselves from becoming a victim in the first place, what to watch out for, and ultimately what to do if you or someone you love falls victim to one of these schemes. You might be wondering, okay, Mimi, I've heard a lot about these different scams, and they mostly impact older people, right? Well, the fact is, these things can impact folks of any age. The Federal Trade Commission noted in a 2021 report that Gen X, Millennials, and Gen Z, so 18 to 59 year olds, were 34% more likely than older adults, those 60 and up, To report money being lost to fraud. The biggest culprit was online shopping fraud, basically clicking on an ad in social media making an order and never getting the item. Similarly, 18 to 59 year olds were more likely to fall for an investment scam, particularly bogus crypto investment schemes. They're also more likely to become a victim of job scams, basically where you're promised a job, but they steal your personal information. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is an amazing resource by the way, warns consumers of quite a few different common types of fraud and scams, including the ones that I mentioned, but also scams involving fake charities, debt settlement or debt collection mortgage or loan modifications, and romance scams. Overall, Gen Z, Millennials, and Gen X aren't falling for scams over the phone the way that older adults are, but rather through websites and social media. So what can we do? First, let's talk about prevention. The stuff we can do long before someone tries to scam us. There's kind of obvious stuff like protecting your passwords and making them really strong. And of course, not using the same password across multiple websites. Turning on two factor author- authentication is also always a good idea. And checking your bank accounts and credit card accounts regularly, at least once a month is also a very good idea. Once, I was driving back home from a day at Disney and had to stop for gas somewhere I don't normally go to, but it was pretty urgent. And I used my credit card at the pump because I didn't have any cash. The next day, I saw two pending charges on my credit card for a website I had never heard of. Now, because I check my accounts regularly, I was able to call the credit card company, get a new card issued right away, and have those pending charges flagged for fraud. I think there's a couple of habits that can be really beneficial that aren't mentioned as often as the stuff we hear all the time. Things like checking your credit report once a year, and I usually do this in the fall when the clocks change, because that's also the time I usually check our fire alarms. Checking your credit report isn't just about reporting fraudulent information, but also making sure that these giant for-profit companies aren't messing up the basics, like misspelling your name or have an address on there that you never resided at. I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can access your free credit report. But please know, the only place to go is annualcreditreport.com. This is the site that is guaranteed by federal law to give you access to your free report. Side note here, your credit report is not the same as your credit score, but that discussion is a whole other podcast episode. So I just wanted to mention it. I will also say putting a freeze on your credit, which has zero impact on your credit score is an awesome way to protect yourself. While you do have to contact the three credit bureaus, that's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, it is definitely worth the effort. And if you need to temporarily lift the freeze, you can usually do so within one hour of your request. Doing this can prevent a fraudster from opening a new account in your name. But be warned here, a freeze won't stop them from accessing existing accounts. So here's a few other things you can do. A few basic practices to start implementing or get back into the habit of doing. Hopefully you have already put your phone number on the National Do Not Call Registry, which you can do online now. I'll leave that link in the show notes as well. But if someone calls you out of the blue from an organization you are familiar with, like your bank or the IRS, or even a charity that you recognize, tell them that you'll give them a call back and look up the phone number through their actual website if those numbers don't match there's a good chance that it's fake financial institutions in particular understand this and they want you to be safe and they will not pressure you to stay on the line please 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 tell your parents and grandparents that medicare and social security will not call them out of the blue never ever These agencies only send mail or have pre-scheduled appointments over the phone. Always be wary of sharing your personal information, particularly pin numbers, passwords, and one-time passcodes. And while I know it feels inconvenient, for the love of God, please do not store your credit card information on shopping websites. I know it's convenient. But hey, not only does this keep you protected against data breaches, it can also help curb regrettable and forgettable spending. Speaking of online shopping, it is always best to avoid using public Wi Fi networks or shop online while in public, including on your phone. Avoid situations where others could potentially overhear or observe you entering account information. And never use a debit card for online shopping. Credit cards are safer and have far more protections. Now, what should we do if we suspect that someone is trying to scam us or someone we love? There's a few warning signs. The Federal Trade Commission cites four warning signs that something is a scam. They call it the four Ps, as in pretend, problem or prize, pressure, and payment. Here's the nitty gritty. Scammers usually pretend to be from an organization that you're familiar with, like Social Security, Medicare, the IRS, or even businesses like your utility company or a charitable organization. The next thing is that scammers will tell you that there's a problem or that you won a prize. So they might say that you owe money to the government, that there's an emergency with someone in your family or a virus on your computer, or there's a warrant for you. They might pretend to be someone from your bank and say that there's a problem with your accounts. Others will say that you won a prize through a lottery or sweepstakes, but of course you got to pay a fee to claim it. Third, scammers love to pressure you. They don't want to give you the time or energy to stop and think. They might even say, don't hang up or disconnect the chat because doing so will get you into even more trouble. They might threaten to arrest or sue you, take away something that is important to you, like a business license. For immigrants, they might say you would be deported if you don't follow their orders. Any number of excuses to get you to act fast and without analyzing the situation. Lastly, scammers always want you to pay in a super specific and kinda weird way that's harder to trace. So insisting that you need to pay in gift cards, or through wiring money using MoneyGram or Western Union, or paying with crypto, these are some red flags. They might even send you a check to deposit and then insist that you send them money. The checks are fake, of course, but it buys them time to skedaddle long before you and your bank realizes it. Whew, okay, I know that this is a lot, and believe me, I really wish I didn't have to talk about any of this but it's far too common of an occurrence. Personally, since becoming a financial educator, the number of times I get messages asking for advice or support after people have been scammed, ugh, it just, it breaks my heart. So as much as I wish I didn't have to, here's what to do if you suspect you or someone you love has been impacted. In the show notes, I'll leave a great article about what to do, but here's the highlights. First, and obviously, contact any bank where you may have been impacted. If you need to lock down accounts or request a new card, do so immediately. If you have been a victim of identity theft, you might need to put a fraud alert on your credit. First, you should contact your local police or sheriff's office and report it to your state attorney general's office, as well as submitting a complaint to the Federal Trade Commission. I know that it feels silly or that you may, might worry that they're not gonna listen to you, and maybe nothing will happen right away, but when multiple reports about similar schemes come forward, agencies have something to go off of, and your report just might be the straw that breaks the camel's back so to speak. When people are brave enough to come forward, local, state, and federal agencies can advocate for funding to prevent crimes and enforce consumer protection laws. So even if you're embarrassed, reporting financial fraud can protect someone else. I'll leave this topic for one final thought, and it sucks to have to think about any of this. Honestly, I totally get why so many of us just want to bury our heads in the sand when it comes to finances. But of all the reasons why I think learning financial literacy is vital, particularly if you're in a marginalized community, this is the most important. I'm a financial educator because I want to protect you from all the greatest harms that are created by the for-profit, above-all, capitalist BS that we have to navigate. And if you made it this far in this episode, I encourage you to implement just one thing this week that I shared, because you just never know. And like I always say, my friend, you're doing great. And I'm so proud of you. Okay, let's lighten things up and head into our easier and better segment. Whew. That was heavy. All right, let's talk about some easier and better. This one is going to be a little embarrassing, but I honestly don't care. This has truly made my life so much better. A few years ago, I convinced my husband to install a bidet in our bathroom. It was definitely one of those things that social media influencer made me buy it, you know, all that stuff. But y'all, it took a long time to convince me. And to get really bougie, we also got one of those toilet footstool things. It came as a set, and even though I was skeptical, friend, I'm telling you, life-changing. We got the Tushy brand, and believe me, this is not an endorsement of them specifically, but rather just the concept of prioritizing your pelvic floor health. Other people have told me that I am really good at taking care of my health in general, which surprises me at times, but it's important. No matter how much money I have or don't have, my health isn't something I can get back once it's gone. And my body works really hard for me, so why not take care of it too? It's sort of weird in a way. As an American, the idea of a bidet was just so foreign to me. But it makes total sense. I mean, I was once walking through a park and got pooped on by some critter Not sure if it's a bird or a squirrel, but regardless, the first thing my friend did was help me to pour some of my bottled water on it before wiping it off. So when I think about it, the idea that we're all just using toilet paper, I don't know. What I can say for certain is that when we travel, I really miss my bidet and little footstool. I just feel cleaner and have a lot less tummy problems. By the way, there is a TikTok account I really like called the Pelvic dance floor by Dr. Alicia Jeffrey Thomas. She talks a lot about these things that many of us can be really embarrassed about, but makes it less scary and less awkward. I think it's a good thing to follow accounts of doctors and other professionals that can help us deconstruct some of the stuff we've been taught by society that we're supposed to be ashamed of. Heck, that's why I talk about money. So yeah, go give her a follow and maybe look into a better way to keep your bottom clean. Alrighty, with that, let's get back to some basics. It has been a minute since I did a back to basics chat with y'all, and I can think of no better topic than that of debt payoff. Considering it's basically the holiday season already, we need to talk about what to do to stop paying for our past decisions. According to a 2022 NerdWallet survey, close to a third of their 2,000 respondents said that they were still paying off the credit card balance from holiday shopping the year before. And look, your debt might come from credit cards, personal loans, student loans, or something else entirely. But if you want to get out of debt for whatever reason, let's talk about the two strategies you can use to make it happen. The debt snowball or the debt avalanche. Let's start with the more commonly known one, the debt snowball. This strategy is all about mindset. It gives you quick wins, which can be really motivating. You basically list out all of your debts from the lowest to highest balance. And what you do is you make minimum payments on all your debts, except the debt with the lowest balance. On that debt, you pay extra until it's completely paid off. Then rinse and repeat. With the debt avalanche, on the other hand, you list your debts from highest to lowest interest rate. This strategy mathematically makes the most sense because over time you pay less in interest. So similarly, you make minimum payments on all your debts, except the debt with the highest interest rate. With that one, you pay extra until the debt is done. And again, rinse and repeat. So let's look at an example. Let's say you have a student loan, a credit card, and a car loan. The student loan is $4,000 with a 4.9% interest rate. The credit card is $6,000 with a 15% interest rate. And the car loan at $10,500 has a 6% interest rate. The total minimum minimum monthly payment for all of that is $820. With the debt snowball, you'd pay off the student loan first, then the credit card, then the car loan. With the debt avalanche, however, the credit card would get paid off first, followed by the car loan, then the student loan. I will say that there are a ton of debt snowball versus debt avalanche calculators out there, and truly just Google debt snowball versus avalanche calculator. Plug in your numbers and see if one strategy makes more sense for you than the other. Again, I think the key here is to understand what you need to be successful. If you need those quick and immediate wins to stay motivated, then pick the snowball method. But if you wanna get to the finish line faster and spend less, then pick the avalanche method. Heck, you could totally mix and match if that's even better for you. What I want to emphasize is that your journey is yours. Anyway, if you want more details on this, hit me up on Instagram. Let me know. Anyhow, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, you're doing great, and I'm proud of you. Thank you for listening to the Meadowsweet Money Podcast, a production of Meadowsweet Money, LLC. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It helps others to find our podcast and is greatly appreciated. And be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. The information and content provided in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Please consult with an attorney or other professional to determine what may be best for your individual needs. For more shame-free personal finance content, visit meadowsweetmoney.com.